exploring faith journeys and inspiring ministries that embody the good news of God, this is The Cumberland Road. I am your host, T.J. Melanoski. Today we have with us Reverend Rhonda McGowan. Rhonda is the minister of the Pikeville Cumberland Presbyterian Church, and she is also the volunteer chaplain at the Bledsoe County Correctional Facility and the Bridge Nursing Home, also in Tennessee. Rhonda, thank you for joining us today. How are you? I'm great. It's good to be here, TJ. Well, I like to start our conversations on Cumberland Road with a question. So I want to ask you, can you recall your earliest experience with God? I think my very earliest experience with God was I was probably in the fourth or fifth grade, and we went over to Mount Calvary Baptist Church. We did. We weren't regular or anything like that, but I got hooked into ringing the bell and having a little thing I said and I don't remember what I said but I remember I had to ring the bell so many times and try not to mess up (laughs) and that's my whole experience right there was just counting how many I was supposed to ring you know that that's probably my earliest experience with God and and really enjoyed working with or being part of that program so it, it was neat so how long were you there we were just visiting it off and on there to begin with. And then as my following with God went on, I had an aunt and uncle who went to the Church of Christ and they had invited me to come to church and, and worship with them. So I went, I was in my early twenties and went with them a couple of times. It just didn't fit, you know, I knew it didn't fit. So I went back to Mount Calvary and started attending church there. And that's actually where I was saved and baptized. And I can remember the day I was baptized, uh, saved because I was standing there and it was like, I'm not moving. No, there's too many people here. Anybody knows me back then, I was really shy and I'm still that way. I just don't appear to be sometimes. But, you know, I can remember walking around Miss Waters, which was an elder lady that sat beside me and walking up and and Johnny asking me, he said, do you know Jesus Christ? And I said, no, sir. And he said, do you want to? And I said, yeah, that's why I walked up here. (laughs) And, you know, and that's where I was saved. And then I was baptized the following Wednesday. And that pastor's actually, uh, he's still pastor. He's much older now and just does it here and there. But that's how I was saved, where I was saved. Well, since making a commitment to Christ, where has this relationship taken you? It take it has taken me on a road, TJ, that is was scary and amazing. Um, after I got saved, the Lord started dealing with me and telling me I needed to forgive my mother. And a little backstory there: we hadn't talked since I was probably twelve years old, and I was twenty-seven, twenty-eight at that point. Um, that I got saved, 27, and uh, God said, you need to forgive your mom, and I was like, no, I ain't ready to do that yet, you know, and it it took a while, and finally, I gave in, sort of, I said, okay, Lord, if you want me to forgive her, I'll forgive her, so I, I sat down, and I wrote her a note, and I said, I forgive you, don't call me, don't write me, I don't want to see you, and I sent her the letter, and I'm sure it had more stuff in it that I don't remember, and I knew God dealt with me and dealt with me and he sent my brother and his wife to tell me, hey, you know, you need to forgive your mom. And I was like, God just kept sending people. And finally, 
Finally, I did. I broke down and, and forgave her. Not the easiest thing in life I did, but it was one of the best things in life I've done. And I could only do that through the love of Christ and his blood of being applied to me because he forgave me and I needed to forgive her. And we had an amazing latter part of life. And we got past all the hurt. We talked about it. You know, it took a while. It took it took a couple years to get to where we were actually mother and daughter instead of, okay, you gave birth to me, you know. God's amazing in that way, and I think that's one of the dramatic changes he made in my life and her life, and she's actually has been to the prison three years in a row with me where we shared our story and was able to help other women get through similar situations, you know, and, and realize that through God all things are possible, and I know that a lot of people out there say, well, that's just a, a saying, but it's really true because of God's power, he can bring you through those things. Forgiveness is amazing. It's not just for you, it's for everybody. I know in the early days at, at Pikeville, when I would come up to visit, if I saw you, I saw I saw your mom. You sure did. Yeah. yeah. She was very supportive and amazing lady that, you know, I'm very privileged to, that the Lord worked through me to teach me about forgiveness and her to accept it because mm -hmm. there was hurt feelings on both sides because I had said and done things and she tried to reach out and I just shut her down, you know, every time. You know, it's amazing when you see other ladies that are in prison, not because of that, but as a result sometimes of not being able to cope with what happened in their life. I had one lady actually come at me and one of the things that, that we had trained about was you know, your chair's a certain spot away from the wall. So if you're tackled, you don't break in. You know, there's certain training that goes into when you go into a prison. And this woman come at me. And the reason she come at me was she said, my mom's the reason I am here. And I'm stronger when I'm ministering to women, Chris says anyway. But I was like, no, you're the reason you're here. Your choices got you here. Her choices may have hurt you. And that's all it took. I mean, she was on me. You know, and the guard, we only had one guard and she was really good, but um, they took her and put her, locked her down because she was aggressive. However, the next night, because this was during a new believers class, because I did that as well as follow up to the revival at Silverdale, now Core Century. And she asked them the next night if I would let her come back out. And they told me, they said, that's totally up to you. And I said, no, it's fine because I know you're going to be there if she does anything. And through that, and I don't know, because I was only there for five weeks, I don't know if she actually completely got all the way through it, but she was starting to make progress. That's why I enjoy prison work, you know, is watching people's lives change. And sometimes it's one step forward and five steps back. And I work with trustees too, and they were like, well, why do you do that? Why do you take the time to let them come out. You're responsible for them. How many times have you been burned? And I was like, more than I know how to count. But for the one that makes the change and stays out and stays clean, whether it's stealing drugs, alcohol, murder even, you know, whatever it is, if they overcome that and they're not falling back into the old patterns, 
it's worth it to me. And boy, I miss going right now. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking earlier about the amazing change in yourself and transformation between you and your mother. And you contribute it and attribute it to your relationship with Jesus Christ. I wanted to go back to that for a moment and ask you, how has your faith in Jesus Christ given you purpose? Given me purpose in many different ways. Uh, one is working through the prisons and working with women. And I have worked at Bledsoe. I work with men and women, which is unusual because usually you're, you're with the same sex. But it gave me purpose. It gave me a, a way to share the gospel. That purpose to me is extremely important. It's sharing the gospel with those that, yes, they may have heard, but they don't know. And there's a difference between, I've heard people talk about Jesus and knowing Jesus and being able to apply that to their life. And the purpose is, they ask me, well, there's jailhouse salvation. Of course there is. We all know that some of them play it because, hey, I get time off. I get time off my my sentence. You know, I get two for one if I go out and work, if I'm working with the trustees or whatever it may be. That's true. But the only body that knows for sure whether they've accepted is them and Jesus. It's not my place to judge. It's my place to take that gospel to them. And I think that's the purpose, TJ, is being able to take what God has given me through my training at the program of alternate studies and studying his word and being his child and giving it to them, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because as we walk through this life, just like my life, how many ways it's changed and, you know, from forgiving my mom and my dad and have, having a good relationship with both of them to marriage, you know, the first one broke down because issues and then saying I was never going to get married again and here comes Chris who asked me if I was ready for the for the ride uh, took him all the way across Suck Creek Mountain when he was proposing saying this and this and this and this and you know and he brought me through my lockdown and, and if you've ever had issues with parents or or kids or being hurt so bad that you lock things up. Chris pulled me through that. Kicking and screaming, mind you. Kicking and screaming. But he brought me through that. And, and it was his love for Christ that didn't let me stay locked in myself. And without him and God using him, I, I don't know that I would have answered the call or even known I had a call. And that journey up to Chris was rocky. And even after Chris, I mean, it's not been perfect because now we've got two little kids and I didn't think God would ever give me kids because I'd be like my dad and he gave me kids. And I do have some of my dad in me, unfortunately, and my mom, but the way I react to their behaviors, but he keeps me in check. So, you know, we have built a wonderful life and we're raising these two little children, uh, Alex and Alyssa and they have become my ministry more than the prison and the nursing home right now with COVID and everything else is going around. And I was fussing. I said, I don't have any ministries right now. And, and one of the ladies said, what do you think you're doing with the kids? You know, that's a ministry. And I'm, well, that's just part of life. That's raising your kids. You know, <laughs> But 
you know, when you look at it, it is because you're raising future adults and more than that, future followers of Christ. I don't know if that actually answered the question or not, but that's what comes to my brain. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Chris. Chris is your husband. He's also an ordained Cumberland Presbyterian minister who's had a great impact on your journey of faith. Can you think of any other individuals who, who's had a great impact on who you are today? My grandparents um, that raised me had a wonderful impact on me, taught me the meaning of telling the truth and, and working hard and not giving up. And I don't remember going to church with them. They raised me from the age of 10 to adulthood, but I can remember my grandmother singing and my grandfather got saved when he was 78 years old. He died when he was 79, but he got saved when he was 78 years old in our, in the house that I live in now. And uh, that had a big, big impact was his salvation. He never, my grandfather never really learned to read and write. So my uncle, my uncle Bobby and I, we would read the Bible to him and we would, you know, he would hear us and we had, um, before my uncle got saved, we would have church at the house every now and then. And they just influenced me more than, more than I can put into words, even though they didn't really go to church all that much. They lived it. Rhonda, when you and I first met, you were ordained to the word and the sacrament and your call was to a new church development out in Pikeville. So they took someone brand new to the ministry and sent you out into new territory. <laughs> we take a few minutes and share that experience and where Pikeville is today. I will. Um, Pikeville, like you said, it was a new church development that Philip and some others, they had a whole board, had got started, and Tim Rapson, wonderful man, had started, and then unfortunately Tim passed away, and Philip Lane asked me if I'd be willing to, to go, and at this point, I was still wet behind the ears, or however you want to call it, nervous wreck, uh, is what I would say, but asked me if I would go up and, and be a part of it prayed about it and I said I would. We started off when I started going we had a building and Tim had done great about getting signs and things like that out. Had a, a skeleton crew but it was amazing. It gave me the opportunity to uh, to grow and see what it takes to plant a church and, and because of you I had that backing that I needed and uh, Chris and all the others that were on that committee said forward because I get my words mixed up but committee and uh, watching it grow and it's grown and shrunk in the area that it's in it's a very poor county and uh, there's a difference between mountain folks and valley folks so you gotta you gotta gotta deal with that a little bit mountain folks don't like valley folks and valley folks don't like mountain folks so however we do have one family that comes from the mountain to the valley to worship with us. And that's, that's the Jordans. And we got the Griffiths and then we have my mom and dad and Matthew Jordan, who's a candidate now is coming. And Lamar Jackson, who is a uh, retired minister. He uh, plays our piano for us. And I probably left somebody out, but, uh, but we've been up and down in numbers, but 
we're really close. It's a really close knit family. We're almost like blood family. Uh, Linda cooks for us every Sunday. We have a dinner together. Um, we haven't been the last two Sundays because Alyssa's teacher tested positive for COVID and there's several people that's immune compromised. So we just didn't have the last two Sundays because of that. But teacher's back, we're going back Wednesday. All right. But, you know, it was, it was a learning experience for me, TJ. Something that uh, grew me a great deal is watching to see who's coming through the door. We're going to get new people. How, how are we going to manage financially? And and that's on top of, okay, preparing a sermon every week, which as a candidate, you didn't have to do. I mean, I traveled, I, you know, filled the pulpit, let me put it that way. So I, you know, I had sermons, but I hadn't got real used to doing one every week. So it grew me a great deal in that aspect as well. Plus taking the time uh, to get on the radio out there. I did a scripture of the day, did that for over a year just to get our name out there and get people in the community used to us. And of course, it's a, it's heavily Baptist and uh, Church of God in that area. But we do have the Methodist in Cumberlands, all the different churches, but the bigger churches are those. And then I got asked to join the Ministerial Association, and I was the only female there. <laughs> but it worked out great. And uh, two years in, they asked, or no, it's a year in, they asked me to be the, the president. So I got that experience while I, since I've been at Pikeville as well. So I just, I love it. I love being there. I love the church. I love the community. We're small. We're still small. I think we'll always be small because of where we're at. And that's okay because obviously that's what God wants. When he gets ready, he sends his son. And when he gets ready for him to leave, we lost a whole family last year. And it was due to crisis, but and, and moving, and then we lost my mom and dad to death. But in the last two years, but we're still there and we're still going by God's grace. Well, you've made mention of death and change, and um, COVID nineteen. Wanted to ask you, where do you see God working in the world today in the midst of constant change? I think he walks with us each and every day. He gets us through, and we forget that. Because sometimes we think, okay, today's been a rough day, but I made it. Well, the only reason you made it was because of God. And with the COVID, God is with us. And, yeah, there, there's a lot of death. There's the frustration with wearing the mask and, and not being able to stand this many feet away from each other and not really being able to get out. And for some people, that's that's really hard because that's the only interaction they get and they're locked, they're basically locked up now. Um, but I see God working with, you know, people taking food to each other. And I see God reaching out, you know, with like Zoom, even though we don't always get the volume or duo or different ways. And I, I saw God work through a lot of different pastors, myself included, that weren't used to this type of technology to be able to get his word out. You know, I've seen pastors on Facebook Live, Zoom, Duo. Uh, we use Telegram, Chris and I use Telegram, which is great because it'll take a full video and you can post it to Telegram. And so we use that, we can do Bible study that way as well. Although I don't like doing Bible study that way. 
I don't like preaching that way. I don't think any of us do. But <laughs> at our church in Pikeville, we're, we communicate back and forth. They don't just get to sit there and be silent or the frozen chosen. I, I call on them and I expect an answer and they will give it. And you have met them. You know they'll give it. And a few times Matthew has filled the pulpit somewhere else and he was like, they don't talk. And I was like, it's okay. That's our tradition. But you do it your way, you know. Try to pull them in, you know. And But, you know, watching God work in today in today's world with all the changes that we've had to deal with people are still smiling for the most part you get the grumpies obviously but that's that's usually not god's people <laughs> sometimes it is sometimes we get grumpy but god works through his people that are here on earth every single day mm-hmm. they smile and know you can't see it through a mask but you can see it in their eyes or or when they're not afraid to to reach out and shake your hand I had a doctor when mom was in ICU, he come out there and he sat down, he shook her hand. He said, I'm not afraid. He said, it's a little bit blown out of proportion, but we do have to take precautions because there are people that can get it, you know. But, you know, he sat there and he talked to us and and made us feel comfortable. And you see that out in the world today, too. You Mm. see other people reaching out, you know, taking food to the doorstep or, you know, taking a hot meal to, you know, somebody that, you know, can't cook all that well or is unable to cook anymore that's shut up and can't get out. You know, I see God working through these two little guys I've got and the way they have changed and, and grown and, and developing. And uh, Alyssa, God love her, she'll invite anybody and everybody to church, you know, even when I'm talking to them and don't, you know, may not think about it because we're talking about something else and we'll get ready to leave and just say, you can come to church with us Sunday, you know. Uh, <laughs> You know where we're at, right? You know, it, little things like that. I see God working even through children during during this crisis and during different different stages. You know, different people. Rhonda, what ideas, what dreams do you have for the church? The dream I have for the church is the Pipeful Church, but it's also the Church of Christ. All of us together not the church of Christ, but the body of Christ, is for us to quit hating, quit pushing and name calling and, and reach out to those that are hurting because most people that act out, and I've learned this through prison work, and I've learned this at the nursing home too, if you don't, if you don't reach out, there's people dying every day that's gonna go to hell. And we can sit back and be judgmental of why somebody done something, or maybe even that they deserve it. And I have people in churches that tell me they deserve to die without God. No, they don't. God died for them too. I want the church to to reach out to the lost, letting them know that they are loved by God. But I also want the people in the churches, yes, they're they're saved, they're gonna go to heaven. But nobody deserves to die without God. That that's where I see that the church needs to step up. But also, as far as Pipeful, I would like for us to be able to get more into the prison and, and do more work with them and actually and we have talked about it. We haven't been able to do it yet, but we want to kind of it's not called adoption but i'm gonna call it adoption we'll adopt an inmate that's coming out that's transitioning out and we'll work for them with them up to a year or beyond that there's 
there's an obligation for a year, but you can go beyond that. And I think if a lot of our churches could do this, and it's it's mentoring, it's a mentoring program. They don't answer to you, but they kind of do because they're they're responsible for coming and spending so you know a certain amount of time with you getting guidance and help but i think it would help all of us too to see the transformation and sometimes that transformation is positive and that's wonderful and sometimes it's not because when they get out if they have a felony they can't get a job a lot of times that would be part of what our church would do would be to funnel them into a job stand responsible for them and that's that's asking to take on a lot from an individual to say okay go get help them get this job but it's also responsible if they don't show up for work you got to go knock on their door you know of course that depends on their their crime and things like that but that's where i would like to see our church go is to be able to as far as the church be able to go and do that mentoring program and, and help get those people back either back on the right road or to the right road because they've never known what that road is and to show them a new normal and that's what i say that a lot people laugh at me but normal to them is not normal to us and they have to have a brain change a thought process change to get there so it sounds like you're asking the church to be a place of second chances exactly yeah and that's that's why we're there isn't it you know <laughs> it's exactly why we're there he gave me a second chance because you know when he saved me and he started dealing with me and, and my mom issue it's like no 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 i want the second chance but i, I don't want to do that you know but he didn't give up and we can't give up before we close our conversation i, I want to go back and ask you about the prison ministry. When you are sharing and spending time with an inmate, what is it that you're sharing with that individual about Jesus Christ? What do you want them to know? I want them to know from cradle to grave about Jesus. So I try to start off with his birth and his journeys. And it's the thing I have to remember is they don't know what I know. So I have to break it down and it takes time. If I think I'm only going to get to see this person once, I usually go straight to the sacrifice of his life. The thing I want them to know about him is he came, he walked, he knows what you're going through. He knows exactly what you feel. He's been rejected. He's been hurt. He's been murdered and he rose again. His blood was shed for you just like it was shed for me. I've never been in prison because I didn't make some of those choices, but I could have at times. I've been angry enough to hurt somebody. I've gotten a car and drove in ways that I shouldn't drive. I've acted in ways I shouldn't drive. I'm no different than you. The difference is Jesus Christ's blood's applied to me and it can be applied to you. That's, that's it in a nutshell. I've never asked you that before. I just, I wondered what that conversation could go like. Well, it depends. It depends on the person, how hurt or how broken they are. Right. But the main thing is that Christ's blood was shed for you. Where you're at right now, whatever you did. And, and it's a little different when you're 
with people that's never getting out of jail. They're there. Uh, they call them lifers at Bledsoe. The lifers, they know they're not getting out, so they're a little easier to, to talk to, believe it or not, because they know, hey, what I've done, I'm never getting out. And then there's the other ones that are hard that think they can get out and go back and do whatever they did because hey, they were top dog, you know, especially if it's gang related. But uh, they have to know that Jesus died for them too. Rhonda, where can we continue to follow your faith journey? Well, I use uh, I use Facebook. Hypo uh, has a Facebook page. We don't update it as often as we should. I have a personal Facebook page, Rhonda McGowan, obviously. And also, I use Telegram, and if you're interested, you can shoot me an email, and I'll, I'll get that link to you so you can, can follow. I do put sermons on there, and uh, every now and then Bible studies. I don't like doing them. I don't like seeing myself on, on video. <laughs> but uh, we have done that quite a bit here this past year, so I'm getting a little better at it, staying in the frame when I'm preaching. But uh, that's the places that you can keep up with me. Right. Rhonda, thank you. And thank you for listening to today's conversation on Cumberland Road. Travel with us on our next journey.